If you've just come back from the future and you're planning on going back anytime soon, stop first at the Handlebar for a delicious craft beer and maybe a bite to eat. Johnny, tell them some more about the Handlebar. Yeah, it's right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. They've got a fantastic happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get $1 off draft beer as well as half-off bottle of wines and access to their delicious menu of tasty, tasty food. Yeah, if you're going to the future, I highly recommend having a couple beers first. It seems stressful. Very stressful. Again, that's the handlebar right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. This week on the show, we have our review of The Tomorrow War. The film stars Chris Pratt as Dan Forrester, an army vet turned high school science teacher who, after being drafted by the U.S. government to fight aliens in the future, may be humanity's only hope at redemption for the past. And we're also drinking two beers from Thorn Brewing out of San Diego. The first is a 9% Imperial West Coast IPA called Procyon. Second is a 12.3% stout called Event Horizon, which is fitting for our science fiction theme. It is a barrel-aged beer with cinnamon, vanilla, and cacao. That is right. If you're listening on the radio waves of 90.1 FM KZFR, all you're going to get to hear is our discussion of that first beer and just the spoiler-free part of our discussion about the Tomorrow War. But fear not... If you want to hear the whole conversation, you can find it plus more than 200 other film and beer episodes of this show dating all the way back to 2016 at any of the following places. On the Spotify, the SoundCloud, and the Apple Podcast, etc., our new episodes drop every single Friday morning, 7 a.m. sharp. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review, five stars, much appreciated. They help other people discover us, and that's just why we're all here, isn't it? More listeners, that's right. Say you're an overachiever, you've already done that, and now you want to be our friends on social media, where you can find us on Instagram for photos, Letterboxd for film reviews, Untapped for beer reviews. We are also on Twitter and Facebook, which I think we use significantly less than those first three, but in any case, on any social media platform, you can find us at Fresh Hop Cinema, or just head to our website, www.freshhopcinema.com. Or you can send us an email, fhccast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. I love a good email. Yeah, send it. If you're just like, maybe you just, it doesn't have to be about anything in particular. You just be like, hey, wanted to say what's up. Like the show. We love those emails. They make me very happy. If you want to, though, go the extra mile, you can join us on Patreon. Johnny, what the heck even is Patreon? Uh, it is a way you can support this show. Little as $1 a week. It helps keep the wheels from falling off. Helps us buy beer, buy equipment, all that fun stuff. Also helps us give back to you guys. We... Reward our patrons in different ways. There's weekly bonus episodes. We're going to be doing some gatherings again soon. Now that we can do gatherings, we're going to be doing some movie nights, some bottle shares. There's all kinds of rewards, lots of good stuff to be had. So you should check us out, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Indeed. Johnny, that is all the housekeeping we have. So let's get into our first beer. Maybe tell me a little bit uh, a little bit about the beers this week. You've picked them out per tradition. Um, I don't know that I've ever had a beer from this brewery. So maybe just tell me what the brewery is and then obviously what we're drinking first. Yeah. So the brewery again is Thorn Brewing Company out of San Diego. They have breweries in North Park and Barrio Logan. Yeah. Uh, the, the first beer we're going to be doing is called Procyon. Like I said, it's an excuse me, Imperial West Coast IPA. It's 9%. 
And there is a lot of fun info on the can that I'm going to read while you pour your beer and give it a little taste. Uh, Procyon is not only the eighth brightest star in the night sky, but it's also the genus of nocturnal mammals that include our favorite rapscallions, raccoons. Procyon, Imperial IPA, was brewed by our second favorite rapscallion, Dave Shetter. Schechter? Schechter. Let's go with Schechter. When Dave first came to work for Thorne in 2015, we were still a tiny brew house in North Park, and this brash, loudmouth New Yorker was hired to deliver kegs. Now he's a brewer and a lead canning line operator and an integral part of the Thorne team. Stay loud, Dave. This beer, the flavor profile, it's going to be in your face yet balanced. This aggressively hopped West Coast style Imperial IPA packs punches of passion fruit, peach, mango, and blueberry from the Galaxy Mosaic and Cascade Hop Blend. Man, I wish every brewery had this much info on their can. That's great. Like, good God, they wrote an article on their beer on this can. I know the guy that, that made it now. I feel like we're old <laughs> Part <friends>. of the family. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I love I love a little bit of like, like you know, you know, there's some, some science in there, some backstory of the brewery, obviously. I love trivia, so I feel like I've learned a lot just by you reading that. And I've learned even more after tasting this beer. So it's, it's in my glass. It's this really sort of nice, transparent, almost orangey amber kind of vibe. And it is definitely strong. I had my first taste. It's it's super fruity, definitely, but it's also really just sweet. Like there's some fruit notes, but first impression, there's some bitterness, but it's not nearly as aggressive as I was expecting in terms of hop taste. Have you tried it yet? Yeah, just had some. This beer's a lot darker in color than I was anticipating yeah. too. Uh, West Coast Imperial, probably a double at 9.8%. I think this qualifies. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite a bit heftier than I thought it was going to be on the palate. Quick, Definitely quick correction. Drink. Sorry. I think it's an, it's mm. 9%, but I, that's what I thought too. I think that's an, a zero on the can, but it's, it's got one of those sort of like typewriter looking. Ooh. I think that's a zero. Cause I looked it up online yeah. and it said nine. So we're going to say nine, but no, you're right. Okay. It is a zero with a slash through it. Okay. It's very small. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, either way, 9%, it, it drinks like a 9% for sure. This beer is, is definitely in your face. Like they say, it's big. It is robust. It does have some fruity notes, but definitely real bitter, a little over the top sweet, and it finishes uh, super pithy, like yeah. very much, much orange rind, and um, honestly, a little bit heavier than I expected too. It's, I mean, it's it's a big beer, and it drinks like it. So often we have beers that are of high ABV that drink like, you know, lagers, and it's it's yeah. a little terrifying, right? You definitely know what you're drinking when you drink this beer, and I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I, I find that when it, when I am sort of trying to figure out exactly how heavy I feel like, particularly large IPAs are, it's where they kind of sit on my tongue after I've drank it once. And this one and others that do sit sort of heavy are always the back of my tongue. Like the, it almost feels like it's weighing down the back of my mouth a little bit. Do you get that ever? Yeah. Yeah, especially right now. I was just thinking that. Like, it's sitting pretty heavy in the middle back of the mouth. It's that kind of feeling in the back of your mouth, like, that makes you start to get your words a little mixed up. For sure. Like, yeah. Like, my tongue feels heavy. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I do like it, though, man. It's it's not it's not in a bad way. I think that's sort of par for the course with a 9% IPA. Um, so I do dig it. It's, it's not my favorite thing I've ever had. And I think some of those flavors, uh, particularly I'm guessing from the Cascade Hops and maybe the Galaxy even, are a little bit overshadowing what I'd want from the Mosaic Hop maybe. Like I want some of that berry brightness and I'm just not getting too much of that. And that's okay, but I think it could be better. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit bitter forward and maybe 
if you're looking for something a bit more tropical or, um, you know, berry forward, mm-hmm. you know, those notes, it's not coming through nearly as much, but it's, I mean, it's an Imperial IPA, so it's, it's pretty much as advertised. I've, I wouldn't have assumed that it was going to have a bunch of fruit forward notes yeah. unless it said that on the can. Right. So it's almost like, yeah, that would have been the last thing I ever guessed, but they almost created expectations for me in my mind by putting that on the can. And now I'm kind of sad that they're not there. Like, I don't get any blueberries or peaches. No. Um, but I don't know. I I had to get this beer. They had a, just a single West Coast IPA that I really wanted to get, but it was a full month older than this beer. Oh, yeah. How old is um, this one? Uh, this one was canned in like June, mid-June, I want to say. Just about a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one, this one's super fresh. So if I figure if we're going to do a new brewery, we should give them mm-hmm. the, the freshest, fairest shake we can. Yeah. Um, so aside from, from missing out on those fruit notes, are you enjoying this beer? Yeah. What I was going to say, speaking of fruit notes, like I agree, there's not a whole lot of peach or blueberry, but what I do get, and, and they mentioned mango and I think that's pretty spot on. Same with like a papaya, sort of like an Island fruit kind of thing. And okay. I don't, I don't know why this happens all the time with some of these bigger, beers that are sweet, but I pick out those flavors way more than some of those lighter fruits that they mentioned. Like it's the mango papaya sort of overt sweetness that always comes through. And and I actually really like that. So when I've shifted sort of my, my palate expectations to more of a robust, big beer, I'm enjoying this quite a bit more than, than at first I thought I would. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense though. Cause it's mangoes that are like piney yeah. and musty and like, yeah, there's something, something yeah. like you ever eat dried mangoes. I'm sure you do. Oh Yeah. It's more like a dried mango than a, than a fresh wet mango, if you will. Totally. I just, I'm wondering if you're picking out those flavors more easily because mangoes kind of have that piney, musty, like hoppiness to them anyway. I've always thought that like fresh mangoes sliced and eaten have a real like IPA flavor (laughs) almost like they have that piney, almost bitter kind of like tree sap, like real piney. You know what I mean? You eating the skin? No. Okay. (laughs) No, Just like checking. they have like a nutty, a nutty pininess All to right. them. You ever tried eating the skin? I think so. I didn't know. I like first had mangoes. I was like, I guess I eat the whole thing. And it's very it's, tough to eat. Yeah, it's it's leathery. Uh, and I was in my 20s. Yeah. So that's not great. It's fine. You know, some people still eat kiwis whole. I eat kiwis whole. Not whole. You don't eat like the, the butt ends, but I eat the skin on a kiwi all day. Why wouldn't you eat the butt end if you eat the skin? Because the butt end is like chewing on a rock. And the skin's like chewing on... Not quite a rock or just Iran like, for that matter. Just like slightly fuzzy. Flush. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. There's a lot of vitamins in it. Doesn't matter. Not relevant to this conversation, I suppose. Um, tying it back in. I like mangoes. I do like the mango aspects in this beer. Same with the papaya, more of the tropical stuff. It does feel a bit musty, but again, I think that makes sense for this style and certainly this gravity of beer. Yeah. I think that's pretty spot on. I think it's it's pretty good for what it is. I'm not super crazy about it, but I think it's a solid beer. Okay. How solid? Out of 10, Johnny Summers, Procyon, Thorn Brewing Company, what are you giving it? It's like a 7.7. 7. 7. 7.7, an honorable, respectable rating for a fairly large beer, and one that we got in town, right? We have, Where did you pick yeah. this up? Uh, both the beers today came from Spike's Bottle Shop. Lovely. I'm going to rate it, and then I'm going to have you tell people what it'll cost them if they want it. I'm going to give it a flat 7. Um, I think I feel very similar as you. But I just don't mess with those decimals quite as much. So I'm going to say seven for me, 7.7 for you. Uh, How much does this 16-ounce can cost people? I think it was right around five bucks. That sounds, that's fine. That's a good price. You know, I don't, like five seems pretty great. Six would have been fine. Seven is pushing it. I think four would have been a steal. 
four's a steal, five's fair to real yeah. good price, you'd yeah. say. Six is like, I mean, all right, worth don't it. push it, but okay. Yeah, but like five bucks for a pint of 9% double IPA, that's yeah, that's respectable. All right, you got anything else on uh, on Procyon? No, I'm looking forward to the, the second beer from them later in the show, but that is Procyon from Thorn Brewing. Uh, once again, you're listening to us, Fresh Hop Cinema. If you get a chance to try Procyon, I hope that's how you pronounce that. We're going uh, we want to know. We want to know. Yes, right. Commit. We want to know what you think of it. So reach out. If you grab it one at Spikes, let us know what you think after you drink it. Email us, fhccast at gmail.com. Get at us on social media. See what I did there? At us. Nice. At Fresh Op Cinema. And feel free to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, we are going to play you a trailer for the new film, The Tomorrow War. If you haven't seen it on Amazon Prime yet or in a theater near you, don't worry. We're not going to spoil it till much later in the show, so you are safe for now. Again, here comes that trailer. We'll talk about it right after this. We are fighting a war 30 years in the future. This is a joke. Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight. You got drafted. I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teacher's deferment and the veteran's deferment? If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Mary will be taken care of. If something happens to you, Dan, 70% of draftees do not return. Sometimes a man does what's best for his family, not himself. Move your shirt, please. Wait, what's this for? It's just a test. Oh, a seatbelt. Was it a driving test? No? You don't have jokes in the future? This device facilitates your jump to and from the future war. One minute to jump. Oh, here, buddy. Take that. You just look around like that. How are you so calm? Long story. Yeah, yeah. ex-military? Yeah. Kind of a short story, I guess. Three, two, one. In 11 months' time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the Earth. Unless you help us. I was trying to save my daughter. If I gotta save the world to save her, then I'm gonna do it. This is the end. The human species will disappear from the face of the Earth. We are literally living on borrowed time. There's still a chance that we can stop this war from ever happening. So we gotta fight. Well, it's nice knowing you. The future. Chris Pratt is a science teacher. The world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. That is the summary tinged with Johnny's velvety announcer voice uh, for The Tomorrow War. It's a film directed by Chris McKay, who is most popular for writing seasons of Robot Chicken and directing the Lego Batman movie, which we covered on the show back in, what do you think, 2017, 16? Sure. Somewhere Whenever it came out. I don't know. You didn't see it. I did not see it. I saw it much later, though. Very good movie. Um, I liked it. This script was written by a guy named Zach Dean. This film came to Amazon Prime on July 2nd, 2021, and it runs two hours and 18 minutes. Like Johnny said, it stars Chris Pratt as Dan Forrester. He's a biology teacher. He's a former Green Beret. He's done a couple tours in Iraq, and now he is just teaching 
science in the high school at the high school level. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people in this film. I think he's a good one to establish. And I think Johnny, we should decide on the fly here. There's there's a character played it's a by spoiler. Okay, it's we're, a so spoiler. We're, then we'll just shout out Yvonne Strahovski, who is in this. She plays somebody. Um, we have J.K. Simmons, which is that's not a spoiler, right? We can say who he no. plays. Okay, yeah, he's uh yeah he's Dan's um estranged dad. They they clearly had a falling out, and he's like very anti government. He stays off the grid, and he's a Vietnam vet. Uh, who else is in this dude? Uh, you also had Betty Gilpin as Emmy Forrester, sure, sure. Dan's wife and therapist for returning draftees. You also had Sam Richardson as Charlie, a draftee with a PhD in Earth and Atmospheric Scientists at Sciences. Uh, Edwin Hodge played Dorian, a cancer-stricken draftee on his third tour of duty to nice. the future. Yeah, we got to set this a little bit more than you keep saying draftee. Like em- Emmy Forrester is Dan's wife. She plays a therapist for returning draftees. So basically, like you kind of hinted at at the beginning. People show up from the future and say, hey, we got an issue. You got to come help us fight these aliens or the human species is is done for. So the government enlists a draft. Every government in the world, we all bind together and try to fight these aliens. It doesn't go great. And that's kind of when the movie picks up. Um, yeah. And you've got the first global draft where yes. we can send people 30 years in the future to fight this war. Uh, and then they come back with some crazy time travel technology and yeah. a sweet wristband. Yeah. After seven days. Seven so days. essentially, seven days, don't die, kill some aliens, do some missions, and you get to come back. Pretty simple, right? We'll get into this in a bit here, because, I mean, if if there are any longtime listeners listening now, I'm a big fan of time travel movies. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of critiquing time travel theories in movies. But aside from that, like, just basic stuff here, the people that do get drafted aren't given much information. <laughs> it's just like, don't ask questions. We're sending you back. Good luck. Felt very um, normandy in a sense. Yeah. Not just information. Even they didn't even get like nope. the whole outfit. There was people like yeah, right. given an assault rifle, like in their chef's uniform. It was, it was pretty dramatic the way that they, they portrayed that draft as very desperate and very grabbing whoever's qualified. And there were, I think we'll, we'll get into this a little bit, uh, but there was some instances of why, yeah. like maybe why they were <laughs> drafting people, you know, that, We'll we'll get into that. Oh my god! Yeah, but on that note, I just want to say like because they do make a point of being like only fifty percent of the military is qualified to go forward in time. The other fifty percent are not qualified. So we drafted civilians instead, as if they are somehow more qualified than the fifty percent of the armed forces that aren't. I didn't. We'll get it. We're gonna have to tear this apart later. But yeah, look, here's the deal, Johnny. This is a movie that I saw advertised. You did as well, and we were both like, that's eh, probably gonna be not great. We probably won't even cover it. If we do, it'll be for something extra. And then you saw it and said, hey, this was actually better than I thought. And then I saw it and it was better than I thought. So let's get into mm-hmm. our initial thoughts on the Tomorrow War. What, what did you think? Yeah. So going in, I had pretty low expectations. I mean, this is a genre that is rife with movies that either try and be too funny or take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if you go too far off of the rails in either of those directions, it becomes unbelievable because you're dealing with, you know, space travel, aliens, all this wild, literally out of this world stuff that I think you need that balance. And I think this Mm. movie captured that balance pretty well. There were moments of humor. There were moments of seriousness. I think this movie never took itself super seriously, but like even when it kind of did, it was just like, but you know, this is still a silly movie, right? You know what I mean? It never felt like over the top, serious the aliens were surprisingly scary and well created i know one of the most 
scary and original alien species that I've seen on on film in I don't know a really long time. So I was super stoked with with the aliens and the abilities that they had and kind of the universe that they set up in this future war. Uh, I really liked Chris Pratt. His character was awesome. Um, J.K. Simmons actually plays like a grizzled PTSD war vet like so really well. well. So well. Like I was shocked how well J.K. Simmons fit into this movie. I really liked their interactions together. I also liked Sam Richardson quite a bit. He was definitely... I liked the move that they did of making one of the smartest people in the room also kind of the comic relief. Like, yes. this guy's going to be the most awkward in these situations because he's a scientist. Yep. And he's just kind of poking fun at everything. And, and I really dug that. So, you know, there was a really involved and somewhat convoluted plot. And it definitely had holes. But I think if you go into this with just the ambition of being entertained, this movie really delivers on that. It was pure sci-fi time travel action cheese in the best way. I think it was super well done. I think it was surprisingly well acted. Um, We'll get into the plot holes, but I think overall I was pretty here for this movie. And uh, I think it's going to rate higher than I thought it was going to. I, uh, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Max, what are your initial thoughts? Well, for me, the the common thread for us is, and this isn't meant to sound derogatory of the movie, but I do think a very important part of enjoying this to some extent is going in with those low expectations that we both happen to go in with because it Mm -hmm. is a very specific type of movie, which you've been hinting at, which is like a futuristic movie that deals with aliens and time travel and world war. And also kind of, it's PG-13 too, so even this could have gotten really graphic and there are a couple shots in this film that reminded me a lot of that Zack Snyder movie we covered a few months ago um, that's escaping me at the moment, the zombie one. Oh, uh, Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead. One shot in particular. But that movie sucked. I hated Army. It's one of the worst movies I've seen in, in maybe years. And this one, with some of the same tropes, I think treat the characters and the plot differently. And the part of it is that it's not taking itself so seriously. But it is sort of end of humanity kind of stakes, which can often be turn into this sort of like trudging, like, okay, everything's so bleak and humanity's screwed. And this doesn't end up going that way, which I really enjoyed. I also think the main thing you have to get behind, aside from all of the potential issues with plot holes and how time travel works and whatever, you have to buy Chris Pratt as Dan Forrester, as a Mm -hmm. super smart guy who's also a rugged action hero. And I think most recently, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, Chris Pratt, Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of his his most recent sort of action-y role, right? Mm, yeah, I think so. And I remember when that came out, everybody was sort of waiting for the, the other shooter drop because he's coming off of Parks and Rec. And we're like, well, he can't, certainly he can't pull off this space action hero. And he had the rest of Marvel kind of backing him up and the crew in Guardians of the Galaxy. And this was the first time that I can remember seeing him in a thing where it was like, this is all about him. Can I buy him on his own and see if it works? And I think it does. So that was a relief for me. I also think J.K. Simmons makes total sense. I When I picture him, I picture like rugged, sort of intense dude. So that made sense. A lot of the casting choices worked here. Same with Sam Richardson. Um, so I liked it, man. I also think, yeah, monster alien design, very good. I'm always a little bit apprehensive when a alien or monster movie or whatever comes out and like, not to take anything away from the quiet place, but like you didn't really see those monsters too much until you finally did. And a lot of it was like in shadows and like, 
you kind of had to piece it together in your mind. The first time mm-hmm. we really see these aliens is in basically broad daylight. And there's a great sequence there where they have to like fight them and run away. And I love that. Like you, you could tell they put a lot of thought into their set design, their monster design. And it, it was, I liked it, man. I liked it, I guess. Yeah, those were some good filmmaking choices with the way they unfurled the monsters upon us, or the aliens, I should say. Really dug that. Um, And to your point about Chris Pratt, I totally buy him as this action star. And I love the inherent sweetness that Chris Pratt has. Yes. Like, when you look at his character versus, let's say, Dave Bautista in Army of the Dead, um, there were moments where they tried to make him Bautista have mm-hmm. like a, an emotional Ugh. conversation yeah. and it just fell I know. so flat <laughs> on its face. But when they do that same thing, like anytime Chris Pratt interacted with his daughter or his wife, he does have this undeniable charm and sweetness to him that is so different from, I don't know, all every action star that's yes. out there. And it's so believable and genuine because you do know him as this silly character but he brings that and then marries it with the seriousness of being in an action role. And for me, the, the marriage of the two is is a very unique and uh, entertaining action star. And I am I am here for Chris Pratt to be the next big action star. I think he's headed that way, and I am I'm into it. Okay, Johnny Summers, The Tomorrow War, one to ten. What are you gonna give it? One to ten for me. This was an eight point four. 8.4, very high, my friend. Good rating. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It feels like a really solid Don't Overthink It action movie, which in the middle of July, when it's 110 degrees out in Chico, granted, I didn't see this in a theater, but when I think back, I'm going to think of this as a movie I would love to see in theaters. Like, It's just a good summer blockbuster, and I think I think people should see it. We clearly have a lot to talk about with it, but in the meantime, once again, you have been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. The Tomorrow War is now streaming on Prime Video. If you get a chance to see it and have thoughts of your own, which I'm sure you will, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema or just send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Or you can head over to our Webby McWebsite, freshhopcinema.com for film reviews, beer reviews, podcast episodes dating way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of today's conversation will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever quality podcasts are found. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back to talk spoilers in the danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Welcome to the danger zone where we left off. We um we had just finished up our radio cut. We had to stop talking a little bit early. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack with the tomorrow war. So, Johnny, do you want to start from anything in particular? Just pick up where we left off. What are you thinking? Well, I think this was a treat of a movie to just be able to sit at home and watch on Amazon Prime. I think yeah. before we get too much further, yeah, resounding endorsement of if you have Amazon Prime, just put this on. You'll you'll dig it uh, for sure. I know you want to get into the time travel. Were there any other roles or standout scenes that you want to get into, or do you want to just jump right into the time travel? This I know is, you've got a lot yeah. to say. Well, this is a dumb, stupid thing, but I couldn't get it out of my head the whole time I was watching. Betty Gilpin, who I think we the last movie of hers we covered was The Hunt back in like October or something. Yep. Um, I, something about her really bothers me and it hasn't <laughs> always. And I figured it out is that she looks a lot like the actor that plays Homelander on the boys. Oh, she does have the same know. mouth. <laughs> it's the same mouth. And they both do this thing where like when they're trying to be um, in Homelander's case, if you haven't seen uh, the boys, it's, he's like an anti superhero. He's like, people think he's a good guy, but he's a dick. 
Um, and there's scenes in that show where like, he has to try to act sweet and it's like, you don't buy it. And it's something about his creepy little mouth. And she has the <laughs> same kind of mouth creep that is so weird to me. Um, and every so time like, they would see it in this movie, I just be like, what is it home? What's happening? So Betty Gilpin drinking milk seductively is not going to be good for you. I just want them. I want to have a bowl of milk and then those two actors just lapping it up and I'll watch that for 45 minutes and cringe and also be amazed at what a time it is to be alive. Right. No kidding. That's an interesting thing to figure out. Yeah. That makes sense. Why? I was thinking that she looks like somebody. I know. And I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Yeah. No, the mouth is spot on like thin, thinner lips, just very terse yes yeah yes um okay so to your question though sure time travel like i've now seen tenet i want to say four times definitely jesus god in heaven now for all the qualms that one may have about tenet and there can be many from a cinematic point of view but from um a quantum mechanics point of view which is the approach tenet takes to time travel there's not much to critique and i'm no quantum mechanics expert but i have done my due diligence in like trying to figure out what nolan was trying to do And as far as I can tell, his logic checks out with how the universe actually works. So briefly, in The Tomorrow War, there's the obvious question that we, the audience, and basically everyone that the government is sending to the future is asking, which is like, could you not send us to like the middle of the worst battle ever? And then the government says, think of it like this. Time flows in one direction. You're on a river. There's two, uh, I think they say rafts, and we can jump you between rafts, but the rafts are still flowing the same distance apart. There's nothing you can do about that. So, so in other words, in, in, in time travel lingo, time is locked. This is one timeline. It's not like multiple realities. It's all the same shit, which means the past affects the future, which is why they try to bring people to fight for the future. And that's why they end up going with the toxin approach. We got to take the toxin back to prevent this from ever happening, which they do, (laughs) but in a fixed timeline, wouldn't the timeline be fixed? (laughs) That's the whole problem. Like, so, so you're in the future. The future is you're on this river of rafts and you're in the front raft, the future. The aliens are destroying humanity, which means since it's a fixed timeline, you didn't stop them. It didn't get, you didn't get the toxins. It's the, it's you. So there's no way to go back because it's one timeline. So because you're there, it's the grandfather paradox because you're in the future, the past failed. It's not like you're going to a different version of the past. You didn't get the toxin. That's why the fuck we're in this position in the first place. So that didn't work. It doesn't make sense. You don't just get to go back and like save your future, your future daughter now. I don't know. It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Because now she's not going to be a general. Right. But, but she was, so he does end up doing whatever she was mad at him for. He has to, which for a minute, by the way, I thought this movie was going to go with. He goes back in time. He's clearly rocked from his time travel. And he's explaining this all to Homelander, his wife. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, our, I saw our daughter. She came up with this to save humans. Now we have to figure it out. And he said, we have to figure it out like twice. But the second time he said it, his eyes got a little bigger and he like looked away. And I was like, oh, is he going to go crazy? And then fulfill the destiny that led him down the path that his daughter was complaining about in the first place. And then that didn't happen. They just go and discover the ship, which is fine. But it's not consistent with how we understand time to work. Yeah, so like whatever. If you're going if, if to be able to change stuff, you have to be able to change stuff. Like, yes. Yeah, and one thing I want to bring up too is did you put any thought into what qualified people to time travel? No, but I don't think the government did either. Yeah, I think they did. And oh, I their a, death. I right? have a th- yeah, the death. Okay, yeah. They have to live through their tour because, well, like, you can't go to the future and die there. 
Yeah. That was, they threw that line in there pretty quick. Like the whole, the rules kind of thing. They were like, all right, the, the reason that they're picking us is because we're not alive in the future. And the reason these young people are teaching us this is because they're not born yet. And then that doesn't actually seem to be that consequential. Like, I don't know if that really matters, but they say it like it does. Yeah. They're just trying to make us take time travel super seriously. And I think it's good. They don't dwell on it. Like Marvel gets away with it. Cause they're just like, well, there's thousands of infinite multiverses. I'm like, okay, well, it's hard to argue with that. And that's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's it's a cop that's out, an easy. Sure. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, the whole linear timeline being changed. And I'm like, cause he was all sad when he got back. Cause he's like, I'm right. not so going like, to be able to, right. but then your daughter, but then your daughter's here. You can change her future. That yeah, was the whole point. Yes. If you can stop the war, you can change her future too. Right. Like, so like what would it, what, so she fixed. dies, obviously like he's got, he drops her into the, and that's the Zack Snyder shot I was referring to. Uh, whatever, like where it's like a slow motion shot of all the, the creatures like coming up to get his daughter. Right. And he's like, just now going back in time, he like vanishes. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like if she had not died, then his plan was to go back in time, jump back, deliver the toxin, then come back to the future trademark and save her again. But if he had gone back to the past with the toxin and he went back to the future, she probably wouldn't be there. And certainly the war wouldn't even be happening. So like, yeah, why why get back and be upset? Why not get back and be like, I'm going to stop this from happening? Because it doesn't work that way. Not, you can't, none of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, the time travel got wonky. You really had to just go with it. Yeah, and so, which is sort of to the greater point that I was going to start getting at, which is I still enjoyed this movie. I don't think you should dwell on that. I'm really glad, like it felt like a really safe three-act movie. Like you got sort of the initiation where we as the audience have to deal with some exposition. Like we go to the future and like we sort of establish. And then there's like the whole middle sequence, which is just like, fighting these monsters and trying to chase a MacGuffin in this case, like finding this toxin or whatever. And then the final act, which is probably the weakest, but still kind of fun where they like go to Russia. And I'm glad we didn't get a shot by the way of like them sitting on a private jet, like making shitty jokes, drinking scotch. I'm, I didn't need that. And we just show right. up in Russia and they blow a hole in the snow and then they find the, the mothership that's been there for a long time. And then we fight some more. And then there's like a father son battle where they hash out all their differences metaphorically and kill the queen. And then it's fine. Who cares? I think it was great, but don't overthink this movie at all. Exactly. Like it's, it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. It's got a story that sometimes doesn't make sense, but it gets tied up at the end. Kinda, so yeah, enough, dude, I was totally waiting for that queen to fall off the edge of the cliff and then not like if there wasn't that big splat, I was like, I know. well, she obviously lives. Do you know what scene speaking of splats got to me is like, I think this is a pretty cool move. The movie opens with, with Chris, if you haven't seen it, Chris Pratt falling from the sky. Right. And he lands in a pool just barely. Oh, we're all dude, just like, that was for the water. <laughs> that was so messed up when the navigation got screwed right? up. So, and they were just but at the beginning, drunk. you don't know what's happening. It, Cause I was like, Oh, are they like superhumans? They just land. Like they do superhero landings and they're fine. <laughs> And, nope. then, and then he lands on the water and then it cuts away and it's like boom, the tomorrow war. And then it's like 28 years earlier. Um, anyways. And then we get brought up to speed on what actually happens. And like, you've met some of these hapless people that there's like, you know, they're in the chef's hats. And like, I guess I'm going to the future. And those people go splat on the concrete. And this is like, and you don't really see them splat. Cause again, PG 13, but like, I was like, that hits harder than it did the first time. Like you've shown me something. I knew it was coming. And now you've changed my emotions to that scene, which I think is very masterful. Good job. Chris. Yeah. McKay. Totally. Like there was some really good filmmaking 
for a movie that had such a questionable plot. But yeah, you know, you don't watch movies like this for the plot and for it to all make sense. I mean, we're going to the future to fight aliens. I think that's yeah. there's a built-in suspension of disbelief that you have to have for this 100%. movie to make sense. And I think you know our discussion last week about Luca and like expectations and like wanting a movie to be more than it is sometimes. Yes. Like, I think that probably helped both of us enjoy this movie simply for what it is. Yeah, I wanted to address your point about the movie not taking itself too seriously because there are a couple moments and I think these moments are in there intentionally and then by design diffused. And the best one Mm -hmm. I can think of is when um, Chris Pratt is like kicking the queen off the snowy cliff and just yells die. And he he really commits like that scene commits to that. And it's like, oh, like, I guess we're going like 80s action hero. And then J.K. Simmons character, his dad calls him out on it, which is so funny. It's like, all right, you all at least know what you're doing, which is cool. Exactly. Like you, you're aware that this is a silly action movie. And that was so perfect too. Cause God, that got a laugh from me when <laughs> he yelled, tell that yeah, thing to right, die. Right, right, right. It, it was great. Yeah. Then. yeah. That was a great moment. There's a lot of great moments. Like when, when Sam Richardson has his chance to finally kill uh, an alien with a, uh, with a saw or like a skill saw, I think it was. Yeah. That's nice. Just a nice moment. Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty happy with this movie. It made you happy. It was one of those just action movies that you walk away from happy. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's enough of those. I think it was really good, man. I dug this movie this week. Yeah, I do find also, this is like the last thing I say, 2051, obviously not very far off, which is kind of the point. But I like that the reason this happened in a sense is global warming. Like right. we fucked it up and now these aliens that have been waiting to take their, not revenge on us. It sounds like they were here accidentally, but like they froze and then we heated the planet up so much in 30 years that now we are screwed, which is sort of a nice metaphor for what might actually happen to people. Who knows? Maybe there's aliens we're going to thaw out. That'd be cool. That would be cool in a sense that we'd both be like, ah, we saw this coming. But then I think right? the cool feeling would very quickly go away for me and the planet as it turns out, but very fast to being like, I'm now scared. I'm dead. Basically. Yeah. How how great was Volcano Guy? Oh, like that's they telegraphed that one pretty hard. <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder if this comes back later. This kid that knows only about volcanoes, <laughs> just oddly specific wealth of information. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's fine. Who cares? That was a lo- like that was nice. I like that he's a teacher. Teachers are likable, right? And so are vets. And he's both. Yeah, exactly. And he's Chris Pratt. Yeah, so that just right. makes him. He's a trifecta of lovable in this movie. Um, listen, question for you, sir. Are you, uh, you still working on your first beer? Uh, I'm ready for beer numero dos. Okay. Then, uh, let's pour it up. What are we drinking? Well, let me tell you, Event Horizon is just keep, wait, night- Why do you keep saying event? <laughs> it's pronounced Be- event horizon, right? Event. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Event. <laughs> you said at the beginning too, you said event. I thought I misheard you, but you're saying event horizon. Event? Is it event? Of course it's event. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't know. Event Horizon isn't just a 1997 science fiction movie with Sam Neill. Did uh, you know that it is also a beer? I know that now. Yeah, man. It is a beer, and it's the next beer we're going to drink from Thorn Brewing from San Diego. It is a 12.3% Imperial Stout. Tell you a little bit more about it. We, they, lovingly aged our favorite Imperial Stout in Heaven Hills bourbon barrels for one year and then blended it with Mexican cinnamon, Madagascar vanilla beans, and cacao for an experience that is out of this galaxy. Enjoy it on the event horizon of your life. <laughs> sure. I think that's how they said it in the movie. No. Because like, no. I'm, 
bro. I'm pretty sure Event Horizon is like um, the name of like a space event. It is. It's an astrophysics term. It's a. Uh, it, it means basically, if I remember right, it's a. Uh, it, it, it's like it's a point. It's like a boundary or like a point. It's like a point in space slash time where certain things happening don't affect the person seeing. It's like it's like quantum mechanics. It, you it doesn't affect the person watching it. So like. I can't remember the, what happens in the movie. I'm sure it's not scientifically correct. That would be a fun one to go back and watch for Patreon. Like just work out the science on of event horizon. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a theory on, on astrophysics basically. Yeah. It's also a beer that smells delicious. Okay, good. And I'm firmly convinced it's pronounced event horizon. I'm sure that's not true, <laughs> but, but that said, I like you more than I like astrophysics. So I'm willing to say event horizon. I think most people like me more than they like astrophysics. Good. Because I don't I don't I don't know any astrophysicists. I well, that's a good point. If there are any astrophysicists listening, please <laughs> write us the all, email on how to pronounce and also tell us why you're listening to this show. You know what? Uh, Everybody likes beer, man. Astrophysicists probably like beer as much as anybody else. As dude, far as they I'm probably concerned. extra like this beer because it's called Event Horizon. Exactly. Um I haven't poured mine yet. I'm about to. Mm. I'm sipping it. Um, so let's get into the the brass tacks of Imperial Stouts. How is the how's the viscosity? How's the mouthfeel? Uh it's it's average. I wouldn't say it's incredibly thick. It's definitely got a a nice effervescent carbonation to it. So it's yeah. it's definitely bubbly. It's not okay. flat, but it's not uh it's not super mouth coating. I mean, and I don't necessarily want that all the time. I don't think that that's the gold standard of barrel aged stouts anymore. Fair. Yeah, I don't either. Um, how how long has yours been out of a refrigerated box? About three minutes. Okay, mine too. So we're both drinking these fairly cold. But I, I poured a very, very small quantity so it would get warm faster. I didn't. Um, but <laughs> I did it I didn't so that I would get warm faster. You know what I mean? There you go. Great. Yeah. Um I'm also drinking this out of my IPA glass, which is not proper, but it, it does seem to lend itself really nicely to being able to look at the beer. And it looks, I mean, I'm even holding it up to the daylight outside my window and I can't see through this at all. There's a really good amount of head. It smells a bit like, I mean, obviously an Imperial Stout, but specifically like um, a barrel aged 1050 from Oscar Blues. I don't mm. know exactly what in this is making me think of that, but it definitely does. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be the figs. that. Beer always smelled like figs. So to me a figgy, bit. yeah, yeah. Uh, so the flavor profile on this bad boy, this Event Horizon, is gonna be dark chocolate, coffee, caramelized fruit. Yep, with there figs, it is. plums, and cherries, cinnamon, and vanilla, with hints of bourbon coming through in the end. Um, my next question that I want people to know the answer to is is when was this one canned? Because you know, I'm sure it'd be fine fresh, but ideally, we're not drinking this one like a week out of the barrel. No, this was canned uh, 11, 12, 20. All right. So right, right before last Thanksgiving. Yeah, eight months or so. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's about right. That's kind of, I think, where you want to be drinking a beer like this. I'm sure it would age pretty well. Again, it's in a 12-ounce can, so we're not having to worry about any oxidation or, or uh, light necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. But I think still, like seven to eight months is probably a pretty, pretty fair barometer for where we should be judging this on. Yeah, definitely. I agree. It's it's aged just enough. I I like it. I like it just fine. It's um, definitely not as sweet as I expected with the the vanilla and the cinnamons not making no. a big impact with no. me. The, the chocolate for sure. Chocolate for sure. Getting a ton of dark chocolate. Uh, what's really taken over is the the fruit. 
I'm getting a lot of figginess, uh, a lot of um, dates. It, it tastes like yep. dates to me. Yep. Um, and I can see the plums, the cherries, maybe. I don't know if that's actually fruit in here or if that's oh, just, just a note, I think. Yeah. I think maybe not this one, but a couple of their other cans, they had like the ingredients actually listed on them. They had a fruited yeah. smoothie sour. And I want to say they had a, a sour, like a fruited sour michelada or something. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. So it was a seasonal release, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on the website. That sounded interesting, but I find that style of beer revolting and I get to pick the beer. So we're not right. doing that. Yeah. They also um, had another one listed on their website. And I don't know what was in it besides berries, but it was called Buried Alive, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. I think that's the barrel aged sour that they have out right now. Yeah. Maybe. If I'm not mistaken, it's like a blackberry barrel-aged sour. It's, did you just blow your nose? No, I didn't know you could hear that. I was sliding the can on my desk. That was so Sorry. loud. <laughs> you think I'd um, blow my nose? I thought you, I you just out. No apology, just oh, blew Jesus. your nose. That would have uh, been amazing. Yeah. I, I would have laughed, but you would never do that. I would never do that. Um, no, I slid the can. I forget because <laughs> you're hearing a little peek behind the production curtain. Johnny's uh, listening to my voice on my cell phone. And I slid that can right by the phone. So that'll do it. That was really funny. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting, I like that some of the other cans, what I was saying, yeah, is they have their ingredients listed on them. Cause like the fruited smoothie sour had their ingredients, had lactose listed on there. Super yeah. appreciate when breweries yeah. do that. Um, and also, can I shout out, um, what was it, Corporate Ladder or not Corporate Ladder? Um, Yes. Common. You're the so one close. that we did last week. Yeah, I'll find out. Corporate Ladder was the main one, it was company values. Values. Yeah. Uh, I messaged them on Facebook and they messaged me back within two minutes about wow. whether that beer beer had lactose or not. Oh, so, cool, man. That was pretty dope. Yeah, that is dope. Um, yeah. But anyways, I'm 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 pretty fine on this beer. I, I honestly expected it to be sweeter. I think so much of that is just like my palate being conditioned to think that like overly sweet stouts are what's important in life and uh-huh. It's really not, and I need to stop judging every single stout uh, against this trend of, of like pastry stouts because yes. that's not the stouts that got me into beer, and that's not the standard that I can't I can hold I should hold stouts to that aren't in that style. Yeah, it's like people that started drinking beer recently, like and they were like hazy IPAs, and they try a uh, West Coast IPA, and they're like this isn't sweet enough. It's like well, that's not, not what it's trying to be. Like it's a different style completely. Exactly. So. You can't rank this beer against, you know, a chocolate, hazelnut, marshmallow, vanilla, blah, blah, blah. Um, so for me, with just what I've been given to work with, I think this beer is way above average. Yes. Um, you know, I rank it amongst just simple barrel-aged stouts, which in itself is a contradiction because there's so much work that goes into these. But sure. it's, it's real solid, man. Um I would love to f- have more of, of that vanilla roundness, smoothness kind of coming through. Uh, and again, I don't get much of the cinnamon, but I think apart from that, it tastes good. I like the beer that I have in my glass. I think it is is quite nice. Could you remind me, and I, I don't know if you can, there's a 12-ounce can of an Imperial Stout. It's a pink can, and I drank a lot of it one time and didn't feel good. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking oh. about? I, can't, I don't know on, why that name is escaping me. On fleek. On fleek. Right. Is it still water? Yeah. Sounds like still water to me. I think so. You know, I still have a can of that in my fridge. Do you, it's a really, so that's what I'm getting at. It's a really solid stout. Um, and it kind of reminds me of this one. Like, I agree with you that, and I don't hold myself to that same sort of, everything should be a pastry stout standard. I find that I 
typically dislike pastry stouts more than other stouts. Um, but I agree with you that the cinnamon isn't necessarily jumping out and it might be that it's a bit cold. I'm going to let mine warm up a bit, but I find that I skew towards enjoying those really sort of like, yeah, like datey kind of stouts, like those notes of stone fruit and tobacco. Like I enjoy that kind of thing. Um, for me, it's actually a little bit too sweet. Like I would almost like to feel that booze a little bit more, especially no being 12, three. Yeah. It, I mean, it's fine. The carbonation helps a bit. I think if it were less carbonated, it might just be like overpowering, but I, I like this beer quite a bit. Yeah. It's pretty nice. That's funny. Such a difference in perspective. I'm like, well, it's not sweet enough. It could be sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, huh. I just want a little bit more. I mean, I get it on the back end a bit, like some of those roastier multi notes, but it's it's a little overpowered by some of the other stuff. And I I could see enjoying it a little bit more balanced. So what flavors of sweetness are you getting? Is it like, mm. is it too vanilla? Is it just too like chocolatey? It's like it, what? You know, the chocolatey isn't, isn't the sweetness that I dislike. The chocolatey, there's like some bitter baking chocolate on the end that I don't think meshes well with the sweetness of those fruit nuts we were talking about at the beginning. Um, and I actually almost think, because there is some tartness going on, I'm not sure what that's from. Um, or maybe, maybe tartness is too aggressive, but some sweetness for sure, like a fruity sweetness that I actually think more vanilla would help balance out. And like you said, kind of round it. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I see, I, I get the fruity sweetness. Like they say cherries and I'm like, yeah, it does have that like, a berry stone fruity sweetness pop almost. Yeah. Like a, like a pie filling kind of not, not a off the tree type cherry, but like a really rich kind of sugary kind of sweetness. Mm, not, not an official cherry. way, but yeah, I know you do. I love cherry pie filling so much. Um, but the point is though, I, I really do like this quite a bit. I think I like it more than you. Um, how much, uh, well, maybe we can say it afterwards so it doesn't skew our ratings, but you said you got this at spikes also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had this one, they had the Imperial IPA that we did first, and they also had about three or four other beers from Thorn Brewing. Okay, sweet. Um, you know, I did kind of, I was curious before we drank it, now even more so, I'd kind of like to try some bourbon from Heaven Hill. They're out of Kentucky, obviously, I think um, Bardstown, Kentucky. Um, they have on their website bottles of Elijah Craig and Larceny, um, Henry McKenna. So I'm guessing they do several different types of, uh, several different brands of bourbon. Yeah, they do. It's kind of like the whole, like Buffalo Trace makes a bunch of different stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So like they, yeah. again, they, they do what I just said, plus Rittenhouse, um, uh, a wheat whiskey called Bernheim and then yeah, Heaven Hill, which I've never had. And I wonder if it's around cause I would like to try it. I'm guessing it's I'm a pretty, pretty sweet bourbon. I'm pretty sure it's around. I've, I've seen it. I know I've had it around town. Okay, cool. So I remember liking it. Well, let's go out of 10 for event or event horizon. <laughs> uh out of 10 for me this beer it's like a seven five it's an eight for me seems very respectable either way either way yeah um, it's really good 12 ounce can what's it gonna cost people if they go to spikes for example um i mean i think it was right around five bucks yeah all right what do you what do you prefer between the two i mean if you if you were craving an ipa obviously you'd go for the first but but if you had to grab only one of these again what would you pick Mm, I think I'd pick the first beer. I think it was just um, okay. overall probably just a little bit more enjoyable. Okay, fair enough. Um, shall we move into Hot and Bothered and put uh, put Thorn Brewing to bed? Let's do it. Hot and All right, dude. I got a couple quick things for Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered, by the way, everybody. If you've never heard the show before, it's where we talk about basically 
whatever we want, things that got us really excited or maybe even bummed out, aka hot and or bothered for the week. Um, I played a couple shows. I played at Secret Trail for the first time in many a moon on Friday, July 2nd. It was the 4th of July weekend, so we weren't totally sure what to expect in terms of attendance. It was super hot out. It was like 101, I think. And people were, were traveling for the holiday. So Rob and I, Rob, my drummer, shout out. Um, we played on their far patio. It was super fun. And then I played the Union solo the following night in Orville, which was also super fun. So just a solid weekend of pretty fun shows. Is that rounding out your, what, eight shows in six nights or whatever? That was actually the week before. I didn't even talk about okay. it because it was a long week. So I just let it yeah. go. But yeah. It was just, it was a lot of work. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. Nice. I'm good. I'm glad you had a good time. Oh, how was it? How was attendance? Were there people out there? It was great. Yeah. Um, the union in Orville was okay. Secret Trail ended up being a pretty poppin' night, I think. Excellent. Um, also, if you're hearing this episode the day it drops, Friday, or even if you're not listening Thursday anymore, we're past that. If you're listening Friday, I'm playing at the Commons on Saturday with, uh, I think Rob's playing with me, so that'll be fun. Nice. Also, we should probably shout out your birthday, I assume. That is this uh, so if you see Johnny, I'd really next, rather you not do that in the next little bit, buy him a beer. I'm going to get people to buy you a beer at the very least. Nope. Yep. I don't like people knowing when my birthday is. Well, then it's sometime this month <laughs> and I can bleep out what I just said about the specific day. If you want me to. Yeah, do it. Okay. That I makes will. you sound like a spy. Let's redact that. <laughs> okay. His birthday is sometime in the summer. It's near now. So buy him a beer. If you see it, him, you're not. An there it. you go. Then I'll just get free beer for like two months. Perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, man, that's kind of been my life. Um, prepping, I've written a couple of new original tunes. Um, so just been kind of neck deep in music. Nice. That's good. Do I get to hear some of them soon? Yeah, I'll play one for you. Uh, yeah. I'll play it for you tomorrow night if you come to the commons. Ayo. Mm, speaking of which, can. you motherfucker, you didn't come to Secret Trail and nope. I played your song. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't. I've been down for the count. I've been sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I'm actually on antibiotics right now for oh, no. a, like a really bad sinus infection. That's awful. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's all right. It was just like building and building. Like I was just getting headaches and just super annoying. Like I thought mm. it was allergies. And then like towards the end of last week, going into the 4th of July weekend, like I was having pretty much headaches all day, every day. Oh, that sucks. And then it got to the point where like my sinuses were swelling and I couldn't close my eye all the way or touch my eyeball. So I'm like... Yeah, it's it's time. Jeez, it's, dude. For sure. I just waited too long. I'm yeah. a dingus. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I will never do is wait that long again because I did an online doctor's appointment. Mm. Wait, like you and went then, to the doctor on the internet or you made the yeah. appointment online? No, no. I didn't even speak to anyone. I emailed them my symptoms and they said, okay, yeah, you have a sinus infection and what? we're sending your prescription to Costco. That's wild. It was so dope. All right. Well, good for you, man. Sounds like your doctor has lovely bedside manner. Yeah, it was uh, through this website. I think it's Hims or For Hims. They oh, do like, yeah. 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 They have like men's health and wellness and boner pills and all kinds of stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah, you can do general or what is that called? General practice medicine. Sure, like, sure. There's a bunch of stuff you can just email a doctor about. It was pretty dope. For more information, go to www.4hims.com slash freshhopcinema for 10% off. Use the code <laughs> FHC fucking rules at checkout. Yeah, for extra long, <laughs> hard extra sinus infections. Yeah, right, right, cool. Uh, yeah. All right, well, maybe on to bigger and better things. Anything good going on in your life? 
Uh, yeah, I didn't come because of that, but I did rest all 4th of July weekend and took it easy. And I'm feeling a little bit better, still Good. on some antibiotics, but trying to get my life together. So maybe I'll feel up to coming to the commons tomorrow night. We'll see. Yeah, okay, sounds it's good. A, still trying not to drink a ton because they say you're not supposed to do that with antibiotics. Sure, you're definitely not, yeah. I don't believe it, but I'm still not, whatever. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, over the weekend, I went pretty deep on a show called The Cho Show. The Cho Show. The Cho Show. Okay. I don't know if you know who David Cho is. No, I don't. He's a pretty famous artist, Um and he's worked in a few different mediums, and he's got this show on FX. I've been watching it on Hulu, and it is fucking wild. Well, yeah, it's, okay, what's the deal? Uh, it's somewhere between a podcast and therapy and art class and also, like, sketch comedy, but not really sketch comedy. It's, it's like, experiential... Uh, bonding almost it's okay it's really wild man it's like if imagine sitting down with rain wilson and talking about like trauma and painting gotcha and all kinds of crazy stuff and then like making art together and then like at the end of it when like he's interviewing them and getting just super deep and getting them to like open up quite a bit he's actually uh painting a portrait of them you mean like literally in that moment painting in that moment, painting a portrait, and at the end of every episode, it shows the portraits that he's painted, and That's it's cool. this like, it's like a mixed media. He's got like little bits of animation and some crazy like editing tricks, and like it's a visual experience to watch. And he's got this whole house, and part of it, he gets into it is, um, he actually got to buy his childhood home where like all of his trauma took place, and like he's processing his relationship with his mom and like all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And this whole show happens in that house. That's wild. And he's like painted on all the walls and it is, um, it's an experience, man. Like I, I got super into it. It's deep. It's weird. It's pretty edgy. It's definitely not for children. Got it. Um, but it is, uh, one of the most unique visual TV shows I've ever watched. So that's definitely a hot for me this week. Uh, if you have any interest in that or if you like stuff that I usually like, you should check it out. It's it's a fucking trip, man. The Cho Show, C-H-O-E, show uh, on Hulu. Yeah, that's it, man. You should check it out. Uh, and also, I watched something that was not good, and I don't know if you want me to get into it or not. I'll just cut it without telling you if I don't. <laughs> oh, cool. Lay it out. Well, I, want, I watched No Sudden Moves on... HBO Prime Direct Hulu. Whatever. I think it was HBO Max, right? HBO Max, sure. I don't know. There's so many fucking caveat services. is that this was the other movie I think I mentioned earlier that we we were kind of doing a toss up with with um, the Tomorrow War if we were going to do it or do it on Patreon because our main movie was going to be No Sudden Moves, which was like Don Cheadle and who else was in it? Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, right. Ray Le- Ray Liotta, John Hamm, like and isn't it Steven Tom- Soderbergh that directed? Yeah. Okay, so I was in for that. Like, I loved, I love a lot of things listed by you just now. Yeah, yeah. Usually, I do too. But in this situation, I did not. This movie was so convoluted, and it was like the lowest stakes heist movie ever. And it, like, okay. there was so many people involved, and so many twists and turns. Like, 
halfway through the movie, I'm like, well, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. And I've been paying attention okay. the whole time. Do me a favor. I don't, I don't know what you're going to say, but don't spoil it because I do kind of want to just see it. And I don't know who Frank is. And I don't okay. like <laughs> half the time they're talking of, they're just throwing out like first names sure. of all these people that you're supposed to keep track of. And you don't even see who they are for like yeah. three quarters of the movie. Yeah. It's exhausting. All right. All right. I like that kind of shit though. So like the overly convoluted sort of neo-noir vibe is, is sort of my bread and butter. Oh, I mean, it's very there. It's set in like 1954 Chicago. It seems or, like I'm that's sorry, what he's going for. Yeah. Or Michigan. Michigan, sure. Detroit. Michigan. Cause it, yeah. And I mean, there was some interesting stuff about like the whole reason for the heist that kind of comes out at the end where you're like, oh shit, that's kind of crazy. But I don't think it was worth going through what we had to go through to get there to get that final payoff. So uh, for me, it was a movie that was way not up my alley. You might really like it. I really did not. And I'm so glad that we covered Tomorrow War instead. Um, I'm a little upset that you made me watch No Sudden Moves mm -hmm. or All Sudden Moves, whatever. No Sudden Move. Moves? I don't know. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, overall, big thumbs down for me. If you watch it, Max, let me know what you think, because, uh, I mean, you might love it. I don't know, but I I just couldn't get into it. The interesting thing to me is that with this movie that I'm going to make the case it's an arbitrary dislike, that you arbitrarily disliked because of the inconsistencies in the plot and the things you have to go through for the payoff, sounds like you could have been describing the Tomorrow War. <laughs> like, there's a lot you have to go through, and it's like, okay, I guess that makes sense, but like... What I'm confused about listening to you tell me your reaction to this movie is that it seems like when you were watching The Tomorrow War, you weren't concerned with the end goal. You were just enjoying the ride. Yeah. And are you just saying that the ride wasn't enjoyable? Exactly. Like right. the, the, I mean, with Tomorrow War, there was other stuff going on that propelled this, the movie yep. to an enjoyable level. But with this, it was pretty much all like dialogue. Okay, but I'm I'm gonna raise you one because I just have plotting to and scheming. This. Okay, so I just rewatched The Big Lebowski, which is a film that you love, which also fits that description. Nothing really. It's all absurd Cohen Brothers nonsense, where where these three friends are just kind of well, it's mostly the dude, but like chasing something, and the threads go everywhere. Like it's about different hitmen and like rich people and bowling, and like none of that really matters. And it's mostly about the dialogue along the way. Now, yeah. there's a totally valid argument. You just don't like the dialogue in, in No Sudden Moves or whatever, No Sudden Move. Um, and you liked it in Lebowski. But but to say that a movie is bad because it was all dialogue, I think, is a mistake. No, I think the that No Sudden Moves had no redeeming or likable characters with any semblance of anything resembling an interesting or entertaining backstory, current story, or future story. All right. Get into time travel again. I love it. <laughs> but yeah like like all those movies had like at least one sometimes four or five interesting characters that propelled the plot and the dialogue and the silliness of the scheme like you want to talk about movies that take themselves too seriously no sudden moves takes itself way too seriously yeah man i gotta watch it because like i don't know ever since seeing logan lucky like i really like soderbergh and i like like brendan frazier's in this for some reason like julia fox from uncut gems noah jupe who we've seen in a bunch of stuff but uh honey boys what comes to mind like yeah. don Cheadle, yeah benicio del toro like these are really high caliber actors in many and kieran, cases kieran culkin who's that kieran culkin oh kieran culkin i wasn't gonna count him but i do count john ham like yeah you know um you so i'll john give it a go ham. yeah check it out but i'm yeah wasn't for me that's for sure 
Okay. Uh, you got anything else? I don't think so, man. Okay. Then let's do some housekeeping, some house cleaning. This show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, all of our friends and family on Patreon, our friends at the Handlebar, um, certainly without Johnny Summers, who has a birthday sometime, and definitely not without me, because I at least push a button to start and stop this whole thing. Do you have anything else? Uh, maybe tell people where to find us, where to rate us, that kind of thing? Uh, no, we said it a million times at the beginning. Yeah, but let's say it again, because people should come in and out. Like, you never know. Hey, where you're listening to this at? Perfect. There. Yeah, rate us. Yeah. How about that. Patreon? Patreon's a good plug. Man, we already did the commercials. Join us on Just, Patreon, guys. It's important. Jesus. Look, because people is, skip, is, you skip commercials, Johnny. You tell me a thousand. Uh, I skipped the commercials in podcast, so now we've trapped them. Join us on Patreon. Give us a dollar. Why not? It's not going to kill you. They know the show's over. They should just stop now. <laughs> but maybe you'll say something wild and obscene at the very end of the show. So just give us a dollar before Johnny says, I eat peaches with the skin on because I like the fuzz. <laughs> okay. Um, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. We will see you next week. Drink good beer. Watch good movies. Be rude to each other. Just be rude and take a bite out of someone's <laughs> arm like a peach. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.